Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Welcome to the Bread of the Word podcast, a podcast striving to feast on God's Word and let the Bible speak to us all. Let us, as a former generation said, go ad fontes to the fountain and be nourished and sustained by all that God is. Let's dig in together. Well, hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Bread of the Word podcast, where we go ad fontes to the fountain, to the Word of God, to be nourished and sustained by all that God is, as he's revealed himself to us. My name is Tyler, I'm your host, and we are continuing our trek in the book of Job. We are clicking along in chapter 11. There, there are a lot of nuggets I'm finding in Job 11, in the, the words of Zophar. And of course, we have to take it a little bit out of context for it to be edifying, because the premise of what he's saying is, <clears throat> is accusatory. Just as Satan is presented as an accuser in the beginning of the book, so Zophar, Bildad, and Eliphaz have set themselves as accusers on the case of Job. <clears throat> but there's a lot that they say that is true, that it's helpful, just not helpful to Job. And we're getting some pretty good uh, examples of that in chapter 11 as we are being introduced to Zophar. So, picking up where we left off, with it is as high as heaven, what can you do? Deeper than hell, what can you know? Talking about the, the, the depths of God, can you fathom the depths of God? And of course, it's a resounding no. But he goes on in verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 10, If he cut off and shut up or gather together, then who can hinder him? For he knoweth vain men, he seeth wickedness also. He will not, will he not then consider it? For vain men would be wise, though he be born like a wild donkey's colt. That's our text today. <clears throat> and so, transitioning from, we can't fathom the depths of God straight into, I guess you could say the application there. That we're, we're still fleshing out this idea of God being incomprehensible. That there is a depth to God we cannot plumb. That it is higher than heaven and it is deeper than hell. <clears throat> that the measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. And if he cut off and he shut up or gather together, then who can hinder him? And th this, this text I have struggled with because so many translations seem to put it different ways. That the Hebrew seems a little confusing. It's confusing to me because I don't know Hebrew. But uh, <clears throat> from what I can tell, 
the words that we're translating here out of the King James as cut off, shut up, or gather. Cut off and shut up refer to are words that we see in Leviticus at a later point dealing with the <clears throat> with the with the lepers. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. But we talk we read about the people with leprosy in the Old Testament that they are cut off, that they are shut up from the rest of, rest of the, the villages, from the rest of society. They are, it's the same words, they are isolated, they are cut off. Because, one, they saw leprosy as judgment of God. That in a, in a very real way, they are cut off from the blessings of God. That one of the ways that God drew people to repentance was through sickness, was through illness a lot of times. We see this with leprosy in cases. But then we, in the New Testament, we see a different layer that gets peeled back with Christ forgiving lepers, and they still have leprosy. But in the Old Testament <clears throat> understanding, <clears throat> in that Old Testament understanding, this is about being cut off from God, about being separated from his blessings. And God is free to do that, says Zophar. What's more, if he gathers people together, which is a legal term, refers to drawing together a courtroom, a, a, like a council for a court proceeding, <clears throat> that he is equally justified when he casts out, when he isolates, but also when he calls together. <clears throat> that he is, he is justified in that decision. That there, while we may disagree with what God does in that moment, who can hinder him? Says Zophar. Who then can hinder him if he was to cut off? If he was to shut up people? If he was to gather together a court assembly? Who can hinder God from being just? <clears throat> from being God? And I'm reminded of the ending of the book of Jonah a little bit. After, after the corporate repentance of Nineveh, Jonah takes his seat. Essentially, he sits on a hill and awaits their destruction. And it doesn't come. <clears throat> and during that time that he's waiting... Excuse me. As he's waiting for a destruction that will not come, God provides from shade from the sun. He, he continues to show grace to Jonah, even even then. <clears throat> but then he God sends a worm to to devour that plant that was providing him shade, and to once again expose him to the scorching heat. And Jonah is not happy. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God says, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah says, yes, I do well to be angry even unto death. And then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd, on this plant, 
which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. Sometimes that's that's our finite perspective on things, isn't it? <coughs> that we're more concerned with things out of our control sometimes that w w we didn't really contribute to. Um, how many times with when the sports seasons come out and a team wins that the whole fan base goes, we won. I, I, I think there's a similarity <clears throat> in that concept. But the picture I'm talking about with Jonah and his response to the freedom of God to be God is one of, of anger. One of, I would say, jealousy. <clears throat> that he thought he knew better than God. That he is, though he has recently been a recipient of God's mercy, Jonah does not revel in the freedom of God to be God. But rather, he responds with a level of spite. Job 11.11 11 says, He knoweth vain men, and seeth wickedness. Will he not then consider it? And the word that we see as vain... <coughs> Um, quite literally means empty. He knoweth those who are empty. And he sees their wickedness. <clears throat> and so, in light of last section, our last section, with the depths of God are deeper than hell and higher than heaven, we are, by definition, empty in the sense that we are not wise. We are not enlightened enough to fathom the depths of God. <clears throat> but it says in Jeremiah that the heart is altogether wicked. And that is what God sees in us. We cannot see all that he is, but he sees all that we are. That he knoweth vain men. And in Hebrew, that word that we see as know is yada. Which, uh, if you've been around with Bread of the Word for a while, that's one word that I find very interesting. We talked about a little bit in Song of Solomon. How oftentimes that is used in sexual descriptions. Adam, yada, his wife. And usually, more modern translations will put that as had relations or something like that, but the, the word literally means to know. <clears throat> and so the implication that is being made by the Hebrew is that to, for a husband and wife to have that relation, to have that act, is to know each other. That the intimacy flows from knowing each other intimately and fully. And God applies that same image to himself and his people. It says in Amos, you only have I known. Yada. <clears throat> Here we have the Lord knows those who are empty. The vain men. Yada.
<clears throat> that despite our misgivings about God, God knows us fully and completely and truly. <clears throat> and with that, he also sees our wickedness, and he considers it. And we see how much we don't bring to the table. But verse 12 ends with a promise. For vain man would be wise, <clears throat> though he be born like a wild donkey's colt. That despite the fact that man is foolish and empty, the fact that we are not smart enough for God, God promises to fill us, to make us wise. <clears throat> it says in Psalm 119, Blessed art thou, teach me thy statutes. Except God teaches us, we will not see. Except God opens our eyes, we will not see. Except God opens our minds to understand the scriptures, we will not understand. <clears throat> but he promises to teach us. In a very small way, the vain man, those of us who are empty and bring nothing to the table, will become wise. How? Through God. <clears throat> not through the passing of information, but by knowing God who already knows us. You know, Psalm 111 says that the fear of the Lord is wisdom, to regard God as he is, not as I would have him, to take God as he says he is, as God, is wisdom. The beginning of the book of Proverbs says to fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. <clears throat> In the book of Ephesians, Paul exhorts husbands to, to train up their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That to, to raise up children necessitates that they know who God is. Not in this little cutesy little box where we negate certain aspects of his personality or um, explain away things, but this is who God is. <clears throat> and this is who we are. And we have to reconcile the two. Throw with me to Psalm 73. <clears throat> Psalm 73, verse 22. So foolish was I, and arrogant. I was as a beast before thee. I believe the CSB puts it, I was stupid. I was like an animal. Ouch. That, that that stings a little. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterwards shall receive me to glory. <coughs> Despite the fact that we, in our own abilities, in our own <clears throat> insufficiencies, we are 
but a dumb animal. God still stays. God has not abandoned us. He has not forsaken us, but rather he takes us by the hand, it says. And he guides us with his perfect counsel. Not because we're smart enough, not because of any merit that he sees in us. Quite the opposite, actually. Deuteronomy 7 tells us that I chose you not because you are the greatest nation, for you're a very small nation, not because you are the most righteous nation, for you are an up, you are a stiff-necked people. But rather, I chose you because of my love for you. And his love isn't based on what they brought to the table. In actuality, God's love is in spite of who we are sometimes. <clears throat> and so God comes alongside his people who cannot understand. And he teaches us. That's why the son came as a rabbi. And he taught people for three years. He walked with people down the difficult roads. And so what do we do with this? Well, we recognize that we can't know anything except God teaches us. <clears throat> that degrees are great, that studies are great, that all the books we can acquire here in America are great. That we have been blessed in the ability to obtain that kind of material in such avail with the degree of availability that we have. But except God teaches us the scriptures, we will be but vain men. And it says in James that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God for it. And God will give it to him, unbegrudgingly. <clears throat> and so the advice of Zophar, I think, applies to us, who would be taught of God. To recognize that we bring nothing to the table. That we are like a wild donkey's cult sometimes. Um, John Chrysostom put it that the comparison, there is no difference between our foolish pattering around and the incomprehensible noises that a donkey makes in the desert. <laughs> that we don't bring anything of substance. And so we are, we need to be taught by God. Not just taught of God, but by God. Psalm 119 again says, Open mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Thy word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119 is a great place to camp out. There are so many of these sentiments, it is essentially a poem, a really long poem, dedicated to the author's treasuring of God, of God's Word. Beginning of the chapter, 
once I turn to the right page. It says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do not they also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Right there he implies that he <clears throat> I'm assuming it's a he, the author is unable to keep them. That he is not consistent in keeping these commands. Oh, that my ways were directed. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart, which I shall have learned when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. And that phrase, young man, in Hebrew, it literally means scattered. <clears throat> and as a younger person, I resonate with that comparison. There are times where I feel very scattered. Where does a where shall a scattered person cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 12, Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. That is the cry of the author in Psalm 119, is to be taught of God. Is a person who has not kept the commandments consistently, truly, faithfully, entirely, but he continues pouring out his soul to God that he may grow more like him. And such is the cry of our hearts. To know God and to know him more. For God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. We have become partakers in the divine nature. <clears throat> having escaped the world, the world and its corruption. We have become partakers of that divine nature. I can't stress that enough that we are not the people we were if we be in Christ. That God has done something new in us. That there is a new, I have a new heart that is inclined to the things of God. And gradually, slowly but surely, God is aligning my will with His that I may keep those commandments joyfully, that his commandments are not burdensome and grievous, but that they are joyous and freeing. And that is because God is teaching me. That by myself, I am a vain man, as a man born from a donkey. But God is faithful to instruct his people, to lead them onwards to a bright future and a glorious hope. All of those things are found 
in and of himself. Thank you for listening. This has been the Bread of the Word podcast. Bread of the Word is a podcast ministry striving to feed people the wonderful words of God, book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, striving to let the word speak for itself. This ministry is also a member of the Truth and Love Network, a diverse fellowship of fellow podcasts of different theological backgrounds united in the gospel of God. For more from the Bread of the Word podcast or the Truth and Love Network, check out the links below and follow us on social media. Until next time, God bless. Matthew 4.4